0: Have your Bibles, I want you to turn to James chapter 1. I'm going to continue our study in this first chapter. Do be praying that my voice will do what it's supposed to do. It's a little crooked. All right, we spent a good deal of time, and so I'm not going to rehash um, this whole chapter, but I just want to start, let's just start around verse 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. This is just followed out uh, before of don't don't claim that your sins come from God. He's not the source. He is not enticing you to sin. When you get into sin, that's because it's the things that you want to do anyway. Those are your natural lusts. That's you. It says, Don't err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. God sends good gifts. He sends perfect gifts. The best example is Jesus Christ himself. He is the good and perfect gift and he came from above, right? Comes down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He doesn't change. He's an unchanging God. His truth that's going to endure for all generations. Wow. Can you imagine that? Truth that endures. I mean, how often have we heard, trust the science in the past couple years, right? Well, the science is constantly changing because they're constantly trying to learn more and more, and that's fine. It's good because they've got mistakes, and so they're learning more. Their truth doesn't endure. His does. He doesn't change. He already knows it all, and he's revealed a truth here in his word. You've got something that you can rely on. You need something to put in that Thanksgiving bucket? Be thankful for that word. Be thankful that it's in your language, and you can read it. You know, oh, you heard of William Tyndall, right? You know what he did? He committed a terrible crime. He was burning the stake for it. He translated the Bible into English. Right? Right. That's a big deal. It's a precious gift, something to be thankful for, truth that you have access to. All right? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will, his will and purpose, begot he us, or as we looked at that time, it means to, to produce. Produce us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, this isn't referring to being born again. We studied that all out a couple sermons ago. But this is referring to that process of him sanctifying us by his truth. We have to be in his word and studying. And, that, and uh, you know why these brothers were able to get up and speak? Because they've been studying beforehand. My brother Parrish just flipped to it and that's okay. But I know he's studied too. Um, you're in, in his word and his word is to teach you so as we heard about being those uh, like sincere like newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby if you've tasted that the lord is gracious if you've been born again and you can see that the lord is gracious then you're into okay let me get into the word so i can grow there i want it as badly as that infant baby wants that mama's milk right that's how precious it is okay then we get to the wherefore because he is sanctifying us, because he is making us those hallowed first fruits given to him. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That was last week, right? For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Verse 21, we get another wherefore, a second reason. What are we being produced at? What are we being called to by his word? You're already born again, and now you're going down in a service. One, we're laying apart that wrath because it doesn't work for uh, the righteousness of God. Now we get to another reason. Wherefore, lay apart. That means to cast off, put it away, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. All right? So these are, these are kind of funny words. What do they mean? Filthiness. That means vileness, cheapness, shabbiness, the behaviors that are just nasty let them go. We cannot continue to hang on to them. We've been born again. We're now committed to following God. We're in his word and we're growing. We got to lay them down. That same, that filthy filthiness that shows up later in chapter two, when it's talking about having respect to persons, when you've got a, a goodly man and a rich man coming in, you treat him differently than the poor man who comes in. You know what kind of raiment he is on? Vile raiment. That's that same root word for that filthiness. That's, the, that's how our behaviors look before God when we're continuing to indulge in and pursue those lusts of the world. The things of the flesh. The things that we are able and not under their bondage anymore, we can lay them down. Cast them off. He's given us that ability. Put off the old man and put on the new. Right, Filthiness. Cheap, vile, shabby. naughtiness, and that superfluity. That means just the superabundance. The, the, you know, your just massive stockpile uh, of naughtiness, your badness, depravity, evil, horribleness, malice, all those things that characterized how you looked, acted, lived, and did when you were dead in press, trespasses and sins, lay them down, cast them off. Will you be absolutely perfect? Patrick, you will not be absolutely perfect, but you cannot just say, well, I'm a sinner and I'm going to keep on doing it. The point that we made yesterday at Mars Hill is that saying I'm a sinner, that's not an excuse. That's an indictment against you, right? That is is a confession that I am a sinner, but I have been called to something else. I have been called to a holy calling, right? To a pure calling, right? Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity, or that superabundance of naughtiness, and instead receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. All right, you're already born again. You're already being grown by the sanctification so it's saying receive with meekness the engrafted word okay well what's the engrafted word that's the law that god writes in your heart okay? you receive it you say well can i can i somehow say god don't put that in my heart no that comes with being born again but what it means is to be to learn by it to have our ears not so full of mud of this world and our eyes not full of mud and filth that ready to be taught By that Holy Spirit. And we can see the engrafting uh, in Jeremiah 31, right? We'll read just a few verses there. Back in the Old Testament, this was the promise of the new covenant. This is what we're living in. The old covenant was good, but it wasn't perfect, right? And so a new covenant was given. This is Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. So it was a time that was in the future back then, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, and that spiritual Israel, all of God's children, and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them out of the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, of which my covenant they break. Right, That one they broke. Although I am a husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant I will make with them, in the, with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law into their Inward parts, and write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Right? That's the covenant that we're living under. When you are born again, you have had a miracle performed in your life. Right? Don't forget that. That's not small. That's not cheap. That's not something anything you could do. But the God of all the universe came down and gave you life, and He wrote His law within your heart. And so the admonition here is: start listening. To it. Lay down the old. You cannot continue on that same old path and feel like you're going to grow in your service to the Lord. It won't happen. Lay it down and receive with meekness. The meekness, oh, that's so key. Because what's the opposite of meekness? Pride. 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 Who gets the credit when we're filled up with pride? Right? We turn it to ourselves. Can you be a faithful servant in God's kingdom? You are his servant. Your job as a follower of Christ is to follow him and to serve him. Can you be a good servant if while you're serving you're saying, look at me, look at what I've done, look how good I am. I am an ambassador for Christ. If you don't believe me, just ask me. No, right? That's pride, right? God resisted the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourself before the Lord. So are we going to be taught by that engrafted word? Yes, we need to be. Will pride hinder that? You better believe it. <coughs> Do we have to humble ourselves on a daily basis? You may not, but I sure do, right? Pride is just one of my natural besetting sins, and that's, that's just preacher word for saying it comes easy to me. That's a sin that I, I get in trouble with, right? We, gotta, we have to lay that down, lay down our pride. So sometimes it's easier to control the external portions of our flesh. Well, I'm not doing this, and I'm not doing this, and I'm not doing this. I can feel like I'm doing okay, but when it comes to growing in those sins from the heart, That's that's where we need grace. We need the Holy Spirit. We need God's intervention. We need to be praying for those things and acknowledging them, confessing those faults before Him and asking for aid and assistance in that. All right, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to deliver your souls. Now, is this talking about delivering you from hell? No. This is talking about delivering you from the trials and troubles here that you get into when you're not following the word, when you're continuing to go in those Lust of the flesh. See some fans. If you want to turn the air down, that's fine. It's warm up here too. (laughs) All right. So it's able to deliver your souls. Now this is the same token that's at the very end of the chapter, uh, very end of the book actually. James chapter 5 says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So in that context, it's not talking about you've pulled your friend out of hell. No, but you've delivered him from a lot of mistakes that he would make if he was continuing down that wrong path. Now, whether that wrong path is just doctrine, that's true. There's a lot of chains and bondage and and trouble that comes with that, but that can also be specific sins within your life. And so you are aiding somebody else. You're saving them, right? And that's not their soul, mortal soul, but it's it's their life, here and now, okay? Let's go back to chapter 1. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. So that's... Listening to preaching, studying, applying it to yourself, right? But there's a big old but that comes after this, right? 22. But be ye doers of the word. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers, all, only deceiving your own selves. Okay? What does it mean to be a doer versus a hearer? Well, a hearer comes and, okay, you're sitting here. You made it Sunday morning. Great. You listen, Paid attention. That's good. But if that's all there is to it, that ain't enough. If you're reading your Bible, that's good. If you're paying attention, that's good. But if you don't take it to that next step and do something about it, apply it. And again, I'm not talking about your eternal destination. We know that Jesus took care of that We know that's holy in his hands. You have an inheritance. But what we're talking about here is how profitable of a servant am I going to be to my master here? Can I be more profitable today than I was last week? And the answer is yes, you can. Right? But the charge is don't just be a hearer. Be a doer. What happens when you're only a a hearer? You're deceiving yourself. You're thinking, okay, I'm doing all Right? Right? You can convince yourself of that. Y'all know we're really good at convincing ourselves of things that aren't so. Right? That that comes from our heart, which is desperately wicked and and deceitful. Right? We can convince ourselves that doing the wrong thing is somehow okay in this circumstance. Right? Doesn't make it true. We can deceive ourselves. If we're going through the motions of serving God because we're listening to things, that's not enough. We have to be doers, we have to actually put it into effect. All right? If you see over in chapter 4 of the same book, James chapter 4 and in verse 17, it ends that chapter with, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Okay. So if you've got knowledge in a situation and you know that you're called to do something and you choose not to, that's sin. I... uh. Step-grandfather, Joel Reagan, whenever he prayers, he always prays about those sins of commission and sins of omission, right? To omit something. When you fail to do what you were called to do. Y'all, how often does somebody get sent into your life in the day, out of the blue, the Lord sends you to have a conversation with and share the good news of Jesus Christ and you choose not to? Y'all know we're called to do that. That's a sin of omission. You've omitted to do the right thing. Right, And sometimes, well, well I'm, I'm scared. I don't know the right things to say. Okay? Well, advice to Timothy was that you haven't been given a spirit of fear, but rather one of power and a sound mind, right? And love, those three. And if you don't know what to say, then there's going back to have we done our study? Are we ready? Are we well versed? Do I know what I believe? If I don't know what I believe, sure can't tell you about it. We need to be sounded, soundly rooted and grounded in the truth of God's Word and ready to, to share about it. Okay, Let's see, uh, see a few other admonitions about being doers. Matthew chapter 7. We sing a children's song, little boys, right? About the wise man. The wise man builds his house upon the rock, right? So in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24, Jesus is giving that parable. He says... Therefore, listen to what it says. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine. Step one, you heard it. Step two, and doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man that built his house upon the rock. So we always think about wanting to be the wise man, right? We want to build our house on something that's stable, right? Your house does not get built on stability if you just hear. It's the doing. Right? The doing. The foolish man is the one, he heard the sayings. He was a hearer. But he didn't follow through and apply it. Right? Let's go over to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, we have a, a woman in the crowd who suddenly um, burst out with some praise to Jesus' mother. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And And we know that there are some uh, denominations who spend a lot of time talking about Mary. Mary was blessed in that God chose to use her. That's the extent, right? She's not for worship or anything else. And so this woman said, It came to pass, he spake this thing. A certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps which get thou hast sucked. So she's praising body parts of Mary, right? This is how he responds. He said, Yea, rather... Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. It means to do it. It means to guard it. It means to apply it. That's how Jesus responded to that. He didn't say, don't don't, don't worship my mother. No. He said, you're blessed. You're supremely blessed if you hear the word of God and you keep it. You apply it. All right, go again to John chapter 13. This is uh, right after you've got the Last Supper. You've got Jesus coming and washing Uh, the disciples' feet. John 13, we'll start in verse 13, 12. Know ye what I've done unto you. He's just washed the disciples' feet. Ye have called me Master and Lord, and ye say, well, for so I am. Jesus is their Master and Lord. If I, then your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye ought also to wash one another's. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done unto you, which is why we do. That's why we observe in our communion service, we have foot washing. It's the example he was given. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if you do them. This isn't head knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, right? Knowledge, but charity edifies. You know what most of the descriptions for charity is? is doing, right? Charity to be to be kind, to be useful, to be employed, to give of self. that self sacrificial love. That's the charity that Jesus uh, describes. It's not just a feeling, it's not just a I, I, I love you with, with my words. It's just words, but following through with the doing. Let's go to Second John. Second John, I think we want chapter one. I think it's just one, yeah short little epistle Second John verses uh, 5 and 6 and now I beseech thee lady not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee but that which we had from the beginning what's the commandment? that we love one another and this is love alright so God is love that we love one another okay Here, check this out verse 6 and this is love that we walk after his commandments that we do them alright it just doesn't stop with just okay I love you Carry it forward. I love Jesus, and therefore I'm going to do what he says in all aspects of my life. This is the commandment that, as you've heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. All right? Let's go back to James. All right? But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. All right? Then he's going to give an illustration. All right? For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway he forgetteth what manner of man he was. All right? Kids, y'all ever done that? You go look in a mirror, look at your face, and then you walk down the hallway, and you try and get a, measure, you know, a picture of what your face looked like in your head. I can't do it really well. Maybe you can, but I want you to do this. Next time, do that, and then men, walk down the hallway and try and shave. Do you remember what your face looked like that well? No? Sisters, shaving won't work. How about makeup? I look. I walk down the hallway to the kitchen. I put on my makeup in there. Right. But well, I know what my face looks like. I looked out of the mirror. Right? It hadn't changed between here and there, but you can't remember it, right? That's why y'all stay in front of the mirror and finish that job, right? Well, that's what the description is. That if you're hearing the word and you're not applying it in your life, you forget it just as fast. You lose the contours of it. You can't pick it out. You lose it that way. What's the opposite of it? Whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty. And that word looketh into literally means to peer down to see what's within. Okay? You're looking into that law of liberty, that law of of freedom. The liberty that you've been given by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're free! You're free from sin. You're free from death. You have an internal inheritance that you're going to be with Him. You've been set free. Look into it to see what's there. He who looketh into it and continueth therein. You look, you learn, you apply. What happens with that man? He's not forgetful, right? Not being a forgetful here, but is a doer of the work. He's doing it. He's doing the work that's been called for him, right? And that work just means toil. You've got a job here below. In service to God. Now, everything that you do, you're supposed to do it as unto the Lord. But that doesn't mean that everything that you are doing is in service to the Lord. That's where that discernment comes. Of what are the more excellent things? I have got a finite, a limited amount of time in this life. I've got a limited amount of daylight hours. I've got a limited amount. A day, tomorrow's not promised, right? Every time I get up here, I should be preaching as if this may be the last time I ever preach to y'all. Don't give it some, you know, sorry effort. Because I'll get another shot next week. I don't know. Your service to God may not go beyond today. Are you using it? Are you doing it as effectively with the most energy and gusto and joy that you can? Or are you constantly waiting for, I'll get to it when? When may not come. Right. Serve him now. So we're looking at the law of liberty and we're continuing therein. That way we're not a forgetful hearer because we're applying, we're being a doer of the work, the work that we've been called to, that toil. And if we are, it says, this man shall be blessed. It doesn't say indeed. It says in his deed. What's the deed? The toil, the work, the service to God. If you're in the law, the the Lord's law, the law of liberty, it's not the Old Testament law. This is The liberty that Jesus has given you and the call to serve Him because you love Him and out of gratitude and joy, you're chasing after Him in your life in all aspects and you're continuing that. He will bless your efforts. He'll bless your efforts to serve Him. Okay? And then there's a warning. A cautionary tale. Verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious, this is someone who you look at on the outside and they look like they're following God. They may even look like they're being a doer of him. Here's a cautionary tale. If any man seem to be religious, but bridleth not his tongue, right? Did you know what a bridle is? understand it's the thing you put in the horse's mouth and it allows you to control him, right? Someone who doesn't control their tongue, their mouth, what they say, how they say it. If you are trying to appear to be religious and you don't have any rein on this, it says... You're deceiving your own heart. He deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. That means worthless. That means empty. It's just for show. Right now, you can say, "Well, well, how do I get a hold of that?" You know, in chapter three it says that no man can tame the tongue. So I'm just out of luck. I'm just a sinner. No man can tame the tongue, but the Holy Spirit sure can. Okay, and if you've got the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, that's what you're drawing upon to control your tongue. Okay. Any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. All right, that's that's. We don't want to be engaged in self-deceit, right? We don't want to put on a show for men. I don't want any pretenses of religion here among us. No, I want you to serve the Lord from your heart. And when you're serving from your heart, it'll make appearances in all aspects of your life, but not to be seen of me or anybody else. The things that are just for show are just that. They're just for show. They have no substance. But my, how encouraging is it when you see somebody who had been going down that path, the wrong path, and you see the Lord get a hold of them, and you see them start serving Him, not because they want to be seen, but they start serving Him for real. Man, isn't that encouraging to you? Doesn't that give you just a, a gusto and a new zeal and want to do better? <laughs> That's for me. Guess what? You can be that for someone else. You can be an encouragement to God's people. That's why this is a this is a team sport, right? This is not solo. He didn't just say, just y'all go out in the field and y'all worship me by yourself. He designed the church to bring everyone together. This is his body, right? The body has different members. We talked about that Wednesday night. Everyone's got a different role. Some are for the some are like the eyes, some are like the nose, some are like the ears. Just because you're not the eyes doesn't mean, well, I'm not part of the body. You now I'm a foot, so I'm not part of the body. Does that make him not part of the body? No, you still got a foot. You still need the foot, right? Are feet ugly, in my opinion? Yes. Are they useful? Very much so, right? Try and get along without them, right? And so we don't have the same look or appearance or gifts or talents within the church, but we're all needed. Everything together, that way can be joined together without schism, which means gaps or areas where we're, you know, you try and use a shoulder when you got a two-inch gap between you and the rest of it, Right? It doesn't work so well. Right? You ever, ever turn your shoulder out? Yeah? Okay, now imagine it cut off and somebody holding it like two feet away. Try and use it. doesn't work so well, right? We need it attached. We need it here. We need it in use and service together. That's how God designed it, all right? So verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. All right. Pure religion. This is, well, what's pure? It's clean. And the religion is the, the observance of how we go in about worshiping God. How do we worship him cleanly? Without vanity? Without it being idle or worthless? What is the purest you can get to? Purest and and undefiled this word undefiled it means untainted but this particular word only shows up four times in scripture here and three others let's go look at them and I want you to see a real good pattern that jumps off the page at least it did at me. Hebrews chapter 7 we're pretty close to Hebrews right one chapter one book over Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 26 context is talking about Jesus talking about him being our high priest this is Jesus who needeth not daily as those high priests under the old law to offer up sacrifices for his own sin and then for his people's. Uh, for this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law which maketh men high priests have infirmity, but the word of the oath which by the law maketh the son who is consecrated forever. I don't see. That's because I started in verse 27. Verse 26. <laughs> for such an high priest became us who is holy harmless, undefiled. That's the word. We have a high priest who is holy, harmless, and undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. When we're pursuing a religion that's undefiled, is pursuing how Christ is. We're pursuing how Christ is. You want to see another example of something that's undefiled? Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. Marriage. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed is undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Isn't that interesting that you've got Christ himself as being undefiled and then you've got God's gift of marriage. What a special thing it is. And when you are having uh, romantic relations within that parameter the bed is undefiled. Anything outside of that is defiled and tainted. Don't try to have it any other way because it is not clean. It's not pure. But within that it is undefiled. So you've got descriptions for Jesus himself as your high priest. You've got the marriage bed. And then also over in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. You have an inheritance to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. So these four words describes Jesus himself. He describes your marriage, and your marriage bed. And he describes your inheritance. These are really, really good things. right? And that's how our religion, our worship, our desire to serve God in all aspects of our life should be as well. Untainted by the things of this world. Alright, let's go back to James. I want you to see, who are you doing this to be seen of? Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father. Who is your audience? Who are you doing this for? You're to stand before God the Father. Right? It's not to be seen of men. If you're to be seen of men, that's just the show. That's putting on the, the whatever, the facade. No. You're standing and falling before your heavenly father. That's who you're doing this for. That's, and things look differently when you're serving just to please him. Because it doesn't matter if you get credit for what you did. And in fact, it's better if you don't. Right? Because when we get credit, often, even if we started with good intentions, if we start getting credit and self-backpass, and suddenly we're, we're warping what was good and making it not so much because the admonition is to do right to visit the fatherless and that visit doesn't just mean hey orphans how are y'all right that's not to stop in and you know have them give you sweet tea this is means to aid them to give them comfort to give them relief to go to those who are in need in trouble and affliction and minister to them right to visit the father to aid the fatherless and the widows in their affliction To go and to work. To do that work. And you're not doing it for the selfies. Don't y'all. I get discouraged when I see things on social media when it's a picture of this. Look how I'm helping so and so. Why are you doing it? If you're doing it really to help them because you love your God, you don't need to tell anybody about it. Now, does that mean that do you have to always be silent? No, there's a time to teach. But generally that's in private moments of, hey, have you considered doing this? Last week I did this and it really helped out a lot. But your motivation there is very different. It's because you're trying to edify the body and you're trying to encourage someone else and their role of doing as opposed to gathering accolades. Right? We don't need any accolades. Right? There's nothing we have that's not a gift from God and he's already given us the best thing possible. That's what we're going to be with him and he's going to promise he's going to come back and take us to him. You've got everything you need. What do you need the accolades for? All right. Pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. To, to keep, that means to guard. Keep a watchful eye. These spots, they're, they're stains, they're blemishes. It's when you dip your finger or your toe or your whole body back in to the world. That which you've been called out of when you try and engage in again. It's not going to have the same pleasure it did for you before. It may for a moment, but it's going to hurt. It's going to be burning. It's going to be uh, very unsatisfying because that's not what you're called to. You are created as a new creature unto good works. That's how he designed it. Not for your glory, but for his. Alright, so you need to keep a guard on yourself. Guarding yourself and keeping yourself unspotted from the world. Not from these stains and soils or defilement. Um, James chapter 3, down in verse 6, six will say, The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members. So among all the members of our body, our, tubbles, our tongue is a troublemaker, right? We allow it to be so. That it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on the fire of hell, right? That's the spot. It creates those spots in our life by our own little face, right? Will, you ever set a fire and it gets out of control? Yeah. That's what our tongue will do, right? Just a little bit of needling, a little bit of messing. You know, over in Proverbs we looked at last week about to leave off contention and meddling because it's like water rushing out. Like you build that dam as a creek, uh, a dam up the creek when you're a little boy, and then you poke some holes in it. It's not long for that whole thing gets wiped out by the force of the water, so leave it alone, right? Our tongue can defile us, and we need to be guarded against that. All right, I'm going to look over at one more spot, and that's in Jude. Last little epistle before the Revelation. Jude, and I want verse 23. The context, well, we'll start in verse 20. The context is about, despite all the false teachers that are in the world, all the hardship that's going on, beside all the, you know, just negative and terrible influences, they're going to be out there, and they are out there, says, but ye, beloved... Dearly beloved, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. That's what we're doing. That's what we're called to. Part of our journey is to build ourselves up. Praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourself, guarding yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You're you're staying in the love of God. You're abiding in His commandments. You're looking for Christ to come back. If that's real and active in your life each day, it will change how you spend that day. Verse 22, And of some have compassion making a difference. There are some who are going to be at a spot of weakness. Those who are having troubles or afflictions or difficulties or sins, some of them, depends on the situation, you just show compassion. All right? And you can make a difference. Of Some have a compassion, and others, there are other times when that's not enough. Others save with fear. That's with the direct rebukes. With, again, as gentle as possible, with love. But the correction, that word correction, I looked it up the other day um, in Timothy, it means to restraighten. Alright, so you've got the rebuke, rebuke and then you have to re-straighten. Y'all ever, you ever get straightened out as a child? I got straightened out. Did it ever take just once? I, I had to get re-straightened out a few times. Sometimes that's what's ne- necessary. Among the church, we're doing that for each other because God can certainly do it and he will. But that's part of our role is to help and encourage each other here and now. And others say with fear, that was the correction, pulling them out of the fire. That's that deliverance that your soul needs from this—the fires of this world—that we jump into, right? The foolish and hurtful lust, right? And as you're doing that, you're hating even the garment spotted by the flesh; those spots, that defilement, those un- impurities that we can get into. You still love them. You're still teaching the truth, but you can despise what is going on. Okay? I'm gonna read through it one more time. James chapter 1, wherefore, because of all that's come before, lay apart, cast aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, the superabundance of naughtiness, evilness, malicious, receive with meekness, with humility, the engrafted word, which is able to save or deliver your souls, your life. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto that man, beholding his face in the glass, natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso peers into or looks into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he shall not be a forgetful hearer. But a doer of the work, of the toil, of the labor, this man shall be blessed in his deed, in his work. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue... But deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. It's worthless. It's empty. That's not who you need to follow. If nothing else, that'll mark you. If This is not one that I need to follow. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the fatherless is to this. To visit or aid the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. Those that are in the most need. Those that are genuinely destitute. Those who need help, show mercy. That's what your heavenly father's done for you. In an infinite number of ways, as he has shown mercy unto you, show mercy unto others. And keep yourself, keep himself, unspotted from the world. Is that a tall order? You better believe it. Spend the rest of your life working on it. Is it worth it? You better believe it. May we be profitable servants to our Heavenly Father. Thank you.